Um, Eric, can we set up back there? Yeah. Okay. Is it recording already? You're the best. Okay, Matthew chapter 3. So we're not in 1 Samuel, right? No, we are not. No, we are not. We're taking a little bit of a detour for good reason. Yeah, it's kind of loud, right? You can turn it down if you want. You guys can hear me for the most part. Um, This Sunday, I always look forward to these Sundays because we get to hear um, from other people about why they have made a decision to choose to follow Jesus Christ. That is always intriguing to me. It's always intriguing to most people. It's encouraging to a lot. And hearing people's personal just experience with God and about how they have maybe interacted with him, heard about him, how he's touched their life, how he's grabbed a hold of their hearts, and how they've responded, that's just powerful. And that's really what it's all about. Right, about being in relationship, the right kind of relationship that we're called to be in with our Father. And to hear other family members talk about how they joined the family of God. Thanks, brother. You saw me choking over here. To hear about that experience, but they said, yes, I'm following after the Lord. I don't even know what it looks like all the way, but I know it's right. I know he paid a price that I could never pay. And I want his lordship in my life because that is most and supremely important. It's always good to hear about that. Always good. So we're going to hear about uh, three stories of that today. Okay? So let's pray. We're going to dig into the word a little bit, and then we'll get to uh, some stories. Okay? So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the good work that you're doing all across this town, this state, this land, Lord, just the entire globe, Father. And it's true that there's a lot of evil, um, that there's a lot of oppression, that there's a lot of cruelty, there's a lot of abuse of power. There's a lot of innocent people getting taken advantage of, Lord, and it's not right. But I thank you, Lord, that you have good plans, supernatural plans in place to gather your people, to call out your people, to confront the evil of this world, and to bring your hope, to bring your truth, to bring your healing, to bring your kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. So I thank you for the armies that are rising up all across this land, Lord, all across the globe, Father. And we thank you for our brothers and sisters, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for the sisters this morning, Lord, that will be sharing about the work that you're doing in their life. And they don't understand it in totality. And they don't know all the plans that you have or what you're going to call them into. But they know that it's right to respond to the calling that's on their life. There's a destiny and a value. And I just thank you for their courage to say no to the things of this world and to say yes to you. So may you bless them, keep them, and protect them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Matthew chapter 3. Here's what we're going to do. So we're just going to share just for a few minutes about baptism, what it means, what it about, what it's about, why do it, how it's even on the radar uh, in this walk of Christianity. And the reason why a day like this is super important is because there's this term of being a Christian. That's like thrown around, right? I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, they're a Christian. And because it gets used so much, and we happen to be right now in a place where it's kind of interesting. People want to acknowledge God to some degree, but they also want to do life the way they want to do it. Um, you just live in this culture, in this environment to where even if you don't really call it Jesus and Christianity, but you call it spirituality, that's even like okay and acceptable. It's almost like you're a spiritual person and you think favorably about God, like that would maybe even classify in some people's minds as Christians. Um, there's just this idea of if I mentally assent favorably towards God, the gospel, and Jesus, 
then that must be being a Christian. I mean, it's not like that person saying, hey, flat out, Jesus. It's not like they're saying God doesn't exist. It's not like they're an atheist. God doesn't exist. Jesus didn't show up. He didn't do what he did. He was a good man. He was a prophet. He did this. He did that. Um, that's why these Sundays are good, because it kind of gives a little, back to a little bit of a refresher of, oh, yeah, what does it mean to follow Christ again? What is the deal? What's involved with that? And that title is a really important title, and it's really significant, and it indicates some really important things that we don't make up that the Bible actually highlighted and said, hey, listen, here's what it means. I was listening to uh, um, some music interviews this past week, and it's interesting to see this trend throughout the past, I would say, maybe 10 years or so with music and Christian artists. And there's this trend of, to where there's a lot of newer artists where they don't want to say that they're Christian. And the reason why they don't want to say that they're Christian artists is because previously, kind of, you know, a little while back, um, you know, Christian music was, some of it, not all of it, some of it was kind of awkward and kind of hokey and sort of, I don't know, it just, it just wasn't really happening. And so it got certain labels. And so people didn't want to associate with that. Um, they also noticed that previously, unfortunately, a lot of Christian bands and stuff, you know, they're kind of, they were known for, you know, not really like um, working well with certain venues, not really paying their money when they should be paying, not really taking care of their band, like, just having a weird way about themselves. So then there rose up these kind of new artists, new musicians, and say, listen, we're not, like, we're not going to call ourselves Christian. Because they don't want people to think of what they maybe had experience with. They wanted to do is they want to say, hey, listen, like, we love God, and, you know, we believe in Jesus, and we're a band that does that, and so, like, that's who we are. And I kind of get, you know, why, like, some artists and musicians, and, you know, they, why they wouldn't want to do that. But I don't think it's good to um, have what they do come at the cost of removing a very important name. If anything, I think it should be time to, like, redeem. Everybody say redeem. Yeah, I think it's time to, like, redeem the name. Like, put it back into place, you know, of, like, what it really means. You know, because... When you talk about a Christian, central to a Christian is the cross. Everybody say the cross. That's yes, the cross. It's Jesus Christ. It's the cross. It's sacrifice. It's sin. It's him paying a debt for us that we could never pay. And then it's him empowering us to live a life that we could never live on our own. And Christian, what that, that means I'm a Christ follower. That's what that means. I follow Jesus Christ. I, so where he goes, where he went, what he did, what he said, what he thought, the way he acted, my whole life doesn't look like all of that, but in my heart I'm completely sold out and I'm trying to figure out how to get to all of that. That's what being a Christian is. I'm following. I am going. I don't know where it's going. I don't even know what it looks like. But I'm going to follow him. I'm going to listen. He's going to have lordship and supreme authority in my life. Right? Being a Christian. Being a Christian. So I wanted to look at a passage about where this whole idea of Christ following came from. And then there's an outside activity that we do to show that we actually do believe in Jesus and follow. Okay? Namely, baptism. So let's take a look. So it says, uh, Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist, everybody say JTB, JTB, right? You can bring that up Monday and be like, what? Talk about who at church? What did he do? He came preaching. Everybody say preaching. preaching. Yeah, he wasn't suggesting things. There's a difference between, most of us are familiar with school and education, and they call it pedagogy, fancy word in education. That's like just me giving information to you or a teacher giving information to you, a professor giving information to you, you receiving it, taking notes on it. Maybe you see it on a PowerPoint slide. Maybe you um, hear something visually. There's creative ways to deliver information, right? And then you receive it. What happens in a church, 
That happens sometimes is just teaching like that. There's another element called preaching. It means proclaiming. It means like a heartfelt passion is attached to the person delivering it because God has placed and birthed something within the individual that you, it can't simply, you can't separate the person from the message. And so to just sort of just talk about and just refer to Jesus and things that he did and to be good at teaching about him and not having a place of proclaiming and preaching is, is kind of a mistake. There has to be this area and this place of preaching and proclaiming because, not because we say so, but because God, he set it up to where when there's proclaiming and when there's preaching and when there's, man, there's just a bold and prophetic way of sharing about who God is, God does something where he takes over a certain environment and the ears and the hearts that are listening, and then he moves. And that doesn't just happen in a normal sort of just teaching classroom type of environment. There's places for that, and that happens in small groups and different things. But there also has to be those times of proclaiming and preaching. Just, man, God has put something on our hearts, and we just got to say it to whoever is listening. You with me so far? Okay. So JTB, our man, preaching, proclaiming, desert of Judea, and saying, here's what his, here's what his message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet of Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. I'll keep going. It says, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. We're going to pause there. So you have this guy, JTB. He steps on the scene. He's got a calling. Everybody say calling. He had a calling on his life. When I say he had a calling on his life, I mean that it makes it really clear right here that Matthew told us, Mark tells us, Luke tells us, the other Gospels, they tell us that in Isaiah, there's something mentioned about somebody in a wilderness who's preparing the way for somebody who's going to come. And that was JTB's John, John, Jobs, Jobs, Job description. It's my first day talking with my new lips. How's it going? But that was his job description back in Isaiah, a couple hundred years earlier. So he's the guy, so he's got a calling on his life. And the calling on his life was, hey, listen, you're going to be out in the wilderness. You're going to have a one message. You won't be able to like really exhort and teach all kinds of things and be incredibly um, charismatic and just have all of these things going. You're going to have a one message. You're going to be a one message person. Everybody say, that's okay. You gotta be who you gotta be. You gotta be who you are. You gotta be who you are. I remember one time, like my first time ever spoken in a church, I spoke in a psalm, Psalm 73. And um, it's probably a train wreck, you know, I felt so bad after. But, anyways, it happened, you know, and, and so then I was talking to my pastor and he was asking about it and we were doing feedback stuff and talking about it. And I happened to also get uh, asked to speak at another place after that. And, you know, he goes, so what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to talk about? I said, I don't know. He goes, well, are you a Psalm 73 guy? And I was like, I was, I was like low-level insulted on that. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I can only teach Psalm 73? He's like, well, I don't know. He's like, maybe that's just like your thing. That's just what God, that's just the calling on you. Like, you just, he anointed you for Psalm 73, and that's just what you bring everywhere you go. And I'm like, I didn't really get what he was saying at all. I had to get over myself, number one, and then see it like through the eyes of wisdom. Like the man's been around for a while, he knows a lot of things, and he understands part of God's nature. Part of God's nature is he equips certain people to do certain things. If it's a one deal thing, it's a one deal thing. Everybody say it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, because that's what the destiny is about. If it's more than that, praise God, it's more than that. But how many people know, like when there's more things, it gets more complicated? I almost kind of rather prefer a one thing. 
So he's got his one thing. He's in the wilderness. That's his calling. He's doing his thing. His one message is repent. Everybody say repent. Yeah, that's his one message. Repent. I want to read to you um, what maybe gets lost in the translation from Greek to English. Just so you get an idea of what this word actually means, okay? Change one's mind, change one's way to reconsider. Change one's mind, change one's way, reconsider. As the result of a complete change, let me say complete. As the result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. Complete change of thought and attitude when it comes to sin and when it comes to righteousness. Where maybe there was whatever there was before, but now it's like, whoa. I'm thinking of it the same way. I'm going to talk about it the same way. I'm going to have it in my mind the same way. I'm going to have it in my heart the same way as Jesus said to have it. That's totally different than, well, what do you think about it? Because we live in a culture that's very much, what do you think? What do you think? Well, what do you think? And I'm not saying that God doesn't say, hey, we don't have opinions about things. We have opinions about things. But there's only one person that says, I am the way, the truth. Everybody say the truth. The truth and the life. So when the truth speaks about the word, who is the word, he's got final say. So when we come to a place where you say, hey, listen, I'm making a total change in my life to where I'm thinking the same thing as Jesus. I'm trying to say the same thing as Jesus. I'm trying to do the same thing. Like, done. That's what it means to repent, to change, change, change. One more. The emphasis is not on the guilty sorrow, just feeling bad about what you did and that it was wrong, but rather on the total change both in thought and behavior, with respect to how one should think and act. So for repentance, the emphasis is, yes, there's this part of, man, like, I just, ah, God, I'm so sorry. Like, that just was not what you had for me. You warned me the whole way, and I still just, I'm just sorry, Lord. Like, that's a part of it. It's interesting that the heavy emphasis, when we talk about this word, from Greek to English, is the emphasis is really on, yes, it's on that part, but the emphasis is really on that change to where the person then says, but Lord, I just thank you that you've forgiven me for it. I think you've changed my heart my mind towards that stuff. Even you gave me a heads up. I didn't respond. I'm going to do better next time. But thank you for making me aware. See, because there's a really big problem, significant problem, if We sin, and it's not an issue with us in our mind and in our hearts. But it's like, if you can sin and still be okay after, and you call yourself a Christian, there's serious problems going on. And you need help really fast. Because that's not good. Not good at all. Because repentance, step one, the calling. Everybody say the call. That's where the whole thing started. It was with this call with JTB saying, listen, change the way you're doing things. That's what he's saying out there. And it's crazy to me, there's this crazy looking guy, leather belt, long hair, locusts and honey. I like they had good food. Like, I, but that's what he's doing. And he's out there just like looking crazy. And the crazy thing is, in this gospel and in other ones, it says that everybody in the entire countryside, they would all go to him. Then we all go to him. He was functioning within his calling, within his anointing, and God was bringing people his way. So remember I said before, like it's very helpful for us to like, go meet people where they're at, go get them. Yes, amen, hallelujah. At the same time, God also, he does a, a, another work where he also brings people as well. So he's out there looking a certain way, and his one message is, listen, change your life. There's no value in trying to do what you're doing the way you're doing it. Eternally, it's going to wreck you. And presently, it probably already is. There's an answer. There's a hope. There's a better way. It'll set you free. 
You won't understand all of it, but I promise you, if you be faithful, you will see how faithful he is. That's his message. That's his only message. Change your life. Change your life. And there could be some people here today where, like, you need to hear that. And this is like a real thing. Don't put it off. Like, you're not here by accident. And maybe God's been saying it to you, like, a lot for a lot of long time. Respond. Please respond. I won't have time to at the end. But that was his message. Change your life. Go my direction. And people are like, okay, like, what do I do? What do I do? And in Mark's gospel, Mark's gospel, a couple of people were asking, like, you know, what do I do? How do I change? And specifically, you know, he dealt with a tax collector. They're like, okay, tax collectors, what do I do? He said, listen, stop ripping people off and lying to them. Charge the right amount. Just stop doing that. Then he goes to soldiers. He had some soldiers ask, right? These are Gentiles, non-Hebrew people. What do I do? He's like, stop extorting people. Stop using a position to bully people and get things from people. Stop doing that. Other people are like, what do I do? He's like, stop lying to people. Be honest. To forgive people. Do things the right way. And it's interesting. We see here, in this gospel in Matthew, we don't get that whole conversation that I just mentioned in Mark when people are asking, what do I do? You can check it out in Mark. Uh, it's in Mark 1. But here's what we get in verse 6. We had the call, like verses 1 through 5. Um, now we got uh, confession. Verse 6. Confessing their sins. Everybody say confessing. confessing. Confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. That's interesting to me. This is why infant baptism is a really bad idea. It's a bad idea on a lot of levels. So people are always like, I got baptized at an early age. Usually they're a baby or an infant. The church did it. It's a bad idea. It's really not biblical. The intention behind it, I think, is good. But obviously it came at neglecting a good part of the word. The word makes it really clear that we get baptized when we make the decision to be repentful. My five-year-old and my three-year-old do not know what repentance means. Clueless. They just know that they feel bad when they got caught doing something. That's what they know. And they, they sort of get confession, but not really. You're like, not in a spiritual sense. You know, like, they don't get any of that. And these are two critical, these are the first two critical elements as far as being baptized and giving your life over to Jesus Christ. Is repenting and then confessing. Interesting thing is, they didn't do it in private either. They did it in public. They're coming to John the Baptist saying, I've been cheating. I've been lying. I haven't been putting God first. I've been taking advantage of people. I've been not forgiving. I've been angry at so-and-so. I've been doing it. Not all of it should happen privately. There's a place for some stuff to happen privately. A good chunk of it happens publicly. Because it's not just about us. Everybody say, it's not just about me. <laughs> nah, it's just not. It never was. It never was. So they're confessing. So it's interesting to me that confession is intricately tied into baptism. It's a big part of it. And that's why we're going to hear some stories today. Um, last part. Let's take a look. We did the call, the confession. Let's look at the challenge. There's a challenge coming up. Everybody say challenge. challenge. There's a challenge. Verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, these are religious leaders, he said to them, welcome. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he didn't say that. Now listen, before we read what he said, he may have cheated and looked already. It's totally illegal and fine. It's okay. So you have to understand that the religious people that are coming to watch sort of the show that's happening, there might be some that are curious and coming to figure out like what is, what is the deal, what's happening, because this is not like what we do and this is, this is a very interesting. There's also a good amount of them that all they care about for the most part is really being seen, making sure people recognize their position as being a religious leader, making sure that people respect them in that certain way. Uh, making sure that they get money from people they get money from. Like, they have a totally different agenda. Their agenda is not destiny and value-driven. 
It's very much self-esteem and pride-driven. And John the Baptist and Jesus, they're not real fond of that. Just like I would never ask somebody to come speak at our church or any event we would ever do if I felt like they're just in it to get some sort of recognition, to get some kind of money, to just be in it more to get what they can get out of it than what they can give. I'm not interested in being around those people. It's nonsense to me. I want the servers. I want the ones that see value and that they see hearts the way that God sees. Like, that's what I want. Wow, that's just powerful, right? That's what it's supposed to be about. So anyways, this... I'm not going to start crying here. Let's go. Right. He says, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Everybody say wrath. Hell is a real place. It's a real thing. People are going there. This is the truth, okay? I'm trying to tell you the truth. A lot of people like to believe in heaven. We're all going to be there. It's just going to be great. Time and time again, all the polls come out. Is there a heaven? Yeah, there's a heaven. Are you going there? Yeah, you know, I'm going to probably, you know, good chance anyways. Is there a hell? No. Are you going to be there? Definitely not. Or, you know, some people say yes, you know, joking around. But listen, this is like a real thing. If this was all fake and phony, then Jesus completely wasted his time. Even his name that says Savior, it doesn't make any sense if he's not really. And everybody just gets to go. There's a real judgment coming. It's real deal stuff. So John the Baptist says, hey, listen, who told you about the wrath coming? That's sarcasm, and that's he's kind of taking shots. I don't know if that's a sin there or not, but that's what he was doing. I don't know. I'm not going to judge it. It just it is what it is. Verse 8, here's the challenge. Produce fruit. I say produce. Yeah, produce fruit in keeping. Everybody say in keeping. In keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He goes a step further. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. So here's what they would say. They'd say, hey, listen, you know, I think I'm good because, one, I'm Hebrew. We're kind of like the chosen people. We're Israelites. I mean, we have the Exodus story. We have Abraham. We have King David. We have Moses. Like, we have that. And he's saying, you don't have that. That might be part of your history, but that's not part of your current history. Like, that's not who you are. That's what he did, but that's not who you are. You with me? So that's like also somebody saying, well, I went to church. Well, I went to Bible study. Well, I got baptized. Getting baptized doesn't get you anything either, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Or my parents were Christian. Or my youth leader was. Or I was always around the people that were Christians, and so, like, that gets to me too. No. That's the same excuse that they were using. And John the Baptist, JTB, saying, hey, listen, this baptism thing, it doesn't just make you saved and put you in right relationship. What it is, it's just an outward sign that you're telling everybody, I'm following Jesus. He's Lord of my life, and I'm following him. I'm going to submit to his lordship in my life. It's very public, on purpose. Because it's very confusing when somebody takes something very public, and then there is no change. Everybody knows that's confusing, right? It's very confusing. Because he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Layman's terms is, listen, man, you better like live what you're saying you're going to live. Otherwise, what are you doing? What are you doing? It affects everything. So he says, produce fruit. He's like basically saying, listen, current high school terms, keep it 100. Keep it 100. Otherwise, 
So this should affect how you talk. This should affect how you think. This should affect what you post on your Facebook status. You're just going to think about, you know what, that is just, that's not exactly what I want to say. Right? This should affect your finances. This should affect how you forgive other people. Right? This will forget, this will affect every arena and area. And John Bob's saying, listen, produce fruit in those areas. Otherwise, you're just doing another religious activity, thinking it's going to get you somewhere, and that's not at all the case. So, we could still be baptized, and I think it's a, very, it's a reality that there will be people that will be baptized that won't go to heaven. Do you understand that? There will be people that will be baptized that won't go to heaven. Just like there will be people like it says in the Gospels, that have cast out demons and even done supernatural works and they won't be in heaven. Everybody say, it's not about the stuff. But it kind of is. Yeah. It's really about the relationship and our heart's position when it comes to our Savior and if he's Lord or not. That's what it's about. And that will produce actions. And some of these other things like miracles, praying over people, changing environments, growing in gentleness and self-control and patience, having virtues rise up in our life and becoming a dominant theme in our life, that will happen. But it's got to happen the right way. The right way that it happens is when we live with him as Lord of our life. That's the challenge. The challenge is, be 100 now. And when you fall down, when you're making mistakes, and when you're struggling, do whatever it takes to get your heart and your mind back on track. Just go after it with an intensity. Not a sort of procrastinating, I'll get around to it. Can you think of Jesus as a procrastinating sort of, you know, let me think about it for a while, and, you know, we'll see. And I'm saying, like, there's times for thinking about things and weighing the cost. It's really clear in the Gospels, consider the cost. I get that. But we can sometimes manipulate that to just waste time. And there's not a lot of time to be wasted. He's saying, listen, the axe is at the tree. Wrath is coming. We don't know. There's a sense of urgency. I would say urgency. There's a sense of urgency. In two ways. One, if we die tomorrow, we're going to stand before him and be accountable. That's one. Two, we have this like, life that we're living here on earth. <clears throat> There's a sense in my heart, and I hope in your heart, that you want to be like urgent to live under the empowerment and supernatural provision of what God wants to do and how he wants to do it. Like, I don't want to waste time not being in that. Like, I would hope you want to be under his covering, in his favor, close to his heart. Anything else is a waste of time. And we could do it, you know, but it's like, ah, we don't have to. You with me? The challenge. You got the call, the confession, and the challenge, okay? Um, I want to go a little bit further, and then they're going to come up and share. Um, Verse 10, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Strong language. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me, that be Jesus, will come one who is more powerful than I, <clears throat> whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It says his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Dang, that's strong. You know what he's saying? He's saying like a farmer when he's got his wheat 
what they would do is they got this big giant pitchfork. They got a huge pile of wheat. What they do is a stick pitchfork in there, kind of like shake it off. And when they shake it, they shake it like, not actually there, they shake it in another area, they shake it like this. All the wheat kernels are heavier. They kind of fall. And then the chaff, the outside coating, like it would fall over there. The chaff is worthless. It's just like a coating. The wheat kernels is what's, what's worth something. So you make your breads, you, know, you eat it, you do all kinds of different, make your cakes, whatever. And so John the Baptist is equating people who do not respond in repentance to their Savior, he's equating them to chaff. That there's this eternity that's separate from God and an unquenchable fire. That is strong. And you know what the crazy thing is to me? The entire countryside would come out to hear this. Like, most people are like, hey, listen, don't you preach that gloom and doom stuff. People don't want to hear that. Really. Maybe not every single Sunday, but... Kind of interesting, man. In the Bible, they really wanted to hear it. Like, we want the truth. We were built to respond to truth. We're hungry for it. We crave it. We're built to respond that way. That's why it's good, like I said before, to get to this stuff. So I'm going to try and tie all this together after we have a few of our women, all women. And maybe we'll have more by Sunday. It's not like, you know, this has to happen in order to get baptized. It's just kind of a process that we do. We might baptize more people when we get there. I might get calls this week. Who knows? And we say, bring it on. Bring it on. All right, so... Um, Katie, come on up. me to do my testimony today, and I'm kind of freaking out because I don't speak in front of people, so. (laughs) Um, The Lord, he works in many different ways, and a lot of you should know this, that he changes lives, and I know this personally because I experienced it. Um, Before I knew who he was and who he really is, my life was like a complete mess. It was like your room after you come back after vacation. And, like, you want to unpack, but you don't, so, like, your stuff is everywhere, <laughs> and you're just like... Um, my main problem was my anger. I was always getting mad at everyone and everything, and I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't appreciate life. Um, and I went through so much pain and hurt that I never thought that I was meant to be here. Um... I never thought that he would accept me because I always had this image in my head that you had to be this perfect person to be accepted by the Lord. And um, I knew I was so far from being perfect. I never believed I would be happy because I've just, I've had traumatic experiences that left me broken and I didn't know that I would ever be fixed from it. But when I started coming to this church, I didn't really know what to expect. I always felt uncomfortable and weird in churches. I always kind of sat in the back, and I was like, <laughs> But um, when I came here, I, I felt safe, and I felt accepted by everyone. And everyone was really nice to me. And they gave me hugs, and they called me cute. So, <laughs> so I liked it. <laughs> um, but one Sunday, I was here, and it seemed like it was the worst week ever. Um, I was sitting in the back, and I was listening to Jared speak, and I just caught myself smiling. And I didn't know why. I didn't know how. I was just smiling, and I didn't really do that. I never really smiled. Um, and I realized that day that I found my happiness. 
And I went home and I prayed and I cried so hard. Um, I thought I was going to throw up. It was gross. It was, <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I prayed and I thanked, I thanked him for showing me that life isn't as bad as I think. And I thanked him for showing me the road that I need to take. And I asked him to forgive me and accept me for who I am with all my flaws and my anger and my really weird puns that I make in the store while I'm with my mom. It's funny. You should see it. (laughs) After that day, I've seen my life change so much. The people that are in my life are so positive, and they show me the right things to do, and I can see who's there to hurt me and who's there to love me and who's there to help me fight. And um, I find myself smiling when there's no nothing to smile at. And I catch my anger and I let it go. Like it's a little breeze in the wind. I love everyone and I'm nice to people, even the people that annoy me or do things that I don't approve of. And I'm so grateful for everything. And I've found how to let go of everything and I've forgiven the people in my life that it was really hard for me to forgive, like my dad. You know, nothing will really ever be the same between me and him, but I forgave him. But Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. So no matter how I look or what I go through, the Lord will always love me and be there for me. When I am alone and empty, he fixes what's wrong, and he's changed my life. Alexis, Alexis, come on up. but I go by Lexi. I know I haven't said, like, hi to most of you, and I'm, like, sorry about that, but my life story is a tad long, you know. Um, So at the age of, like, one years old, my mom had told me I was getting baptized, and um, I got baptized. um, About four years old, everything was fine until four. We started getting DCF in the house because things weren't going good. Um, At the age of six, my mom had gotten married, and... um, I can't believe I'm, like, saying this. Like, it's, like, hard for me to open up about my story. But I got raped at six years old by one of my mom's husbands. Um, my mom didn't want to believe me at the time, and she started noticing changes, and then she kicked him out. We went through court. The whole process was really long, but I never knew what happened to him at the end. Um, at eight years old, my mom had met someone new, so we packed up. We've been around the whole entire, like, country, however you want to say it, the United States. We've moved a lot. Um, but one day during DCF, I was really bruised badly all on my legs and arms, and I got taken away from my mom. Um, and my mom, like, mentally and physically, she was just, like, abusing me repeatedly, took the frustrations out, was beating me out of her own anger. So I was 10. I was in and out of my family still. And while later I went back to my mom because she was doing things right. She was going to church, God. Um, she was doing things. We went to First Assembly of God, and I was, like, in the dance ministry. And, like, as I mentioned to you when you came over, I was thinking about starting a dance ministry here because I do love dancing. It's, like, my favorite thing to do for God. Um, we ended up moving back to Bristol after Illinois because we went to Burbank to meet um, my grandmother in about two months. It didn't work out because her husband wouldn't find um, a place, so we ended up moving to Limestone, Maine, and I was going on 12, 11 months passed by, and things were getting bad in the house again, and I didn't know how to handle it. So I told my mom, let's go back to church. Um, she gave her life to God, and at the age of 14, like, when I was doing that, I gave my life to God as well, but I wasn't, like, fully committed to God for it. Um, around December 24th, I've never told anyone else this, but I'm more than welcome to tell you guys, um, it was around December 25th, a night I was sleeping. I saw Christ getting crucified, and I was literally right there watching him getting the nails in his arms. I mean, his hands, sorry. 
So I got deeper into church, and I went in more to God, and I spoke to him, and um, I just felt like I was still lonely. Like, I didn't know what was going on with my life or what I was going to do. Um, so I stopped going to church, and I started doing earthly things, and I wasn't supposed to be doing mom. And then I asked my mom one day about my dad, and she spoke so badly about him. She said really cruel things. Um, so I found him on Facebook. It was about two months after I talked to my mom about the situation. And like I said, she said recruiting. She said she hated him, that he could die, get hit by a car. And like those are really hurtful because I never really met my dad until the age of 18. So actually, at the age of 17, I got kicked out of my house for two days over a boy. And my mom was like, did you learn your lesson? You could come back home now. So after that happened, I went on this retreat from First Assembly of God to North Point Bible College. And this was a, um, the Bible college I wanted to go to because I wanted to become a pastor. And my mom's husband shut me down and said, I am worthless. I cannot do it. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. He was very disrespectful to me. Um, but when I came back from that retreat, I felt so differently. I felt so happy and stuff like that. But just to get shut down by someone does not feel right. I've been shut down by everyone my whole entire life. I've always been doubted and disrespected, too. So I blocked it out just like everything else. And just before the age of 18, I started doing drugs. I was smoking weed and drinking because I was letting my friends influence me. Um, I just didn't know how to cope with anything. I let my friends influence me, like I said. At the age of 18, I actually found where my father lived, and he lived near Holy Cross in Waterbury for a long time. And I told my mom that I was going to meet up with him, and I'd spend weekends with him. And that day, she started being so rude to me. She smacked me across the face a few times and really disrespected me. Um, my dad, when I started seeing him, I found out that he was a part of the K-9 unit in the Waterbury Police Department. Um, we caught up, and the real reason why I couldn't see him was because my mom admitted it. She stopped him from seeing me. She did not want him a part of my life. So now it's, you know, 2017 here. Um, I met someone in February named Antonio, and we were talking about five days. Um, he told me that I had beauty, but I couldn't see it because I, I would always wear makeup. I would always think I'm ugly. I don't think I'm good enough for someone. I wasn't thinking I was pretty or any of that, so... One day I stopped wearing makeup, and he made me find my beauty. And then he was like, God gave you beauty within you, so don't hide it. Your looks mean nothing. It's about how you feel inside. So then he got me going into church again, and I wasn't doing things I was supposed to be doing. So I was sneaking out of the house to go hang with friends. And um, actually, May 16th of 2017, I got raped again. Um, it's like, you know, hard to, like, sit down and that everything comes at me because I feel like I'm not good enough for no one. So then I got raped. I took the rape kit test, and it came back positive. Um, he got five. He got sentenced five years because he had other charges, and his mom tried to send me a check for pity money. Um... So I had an attorney who was my professor in college, and um, he helped me through the case, and my dad was supposed to help me through the case, but it never happened because just as long as that my dad passed away the week of it, the 21st of May, he passed, and he didn't make it through his heart surgery. <laughs> so, you know, it was just so hard still and, like, I didn't know what to do. Um, I was depressed. I stood in my room. I didn't even go to work. Um, I was staying away from everyone. And as soon as my dad died, my mom came, became rebellious against me. She turned on me. She told me that I should go to hell. Excuse my language. Um, she said that I hope she get die, I get hit by a car, that I could die. Just a lot of hurtful things. And she even told me she hated me, but I still forgave her before it because I will love my mom forever. She's the one who gave me birth no matter what she's done to me. But So she kicked me out, and her husband um, punched me in my face, actually. Um, he was very disrespectful to me, too. 
Um, he would always say rude things or hit me like I was his child, and I would just stay there. But this time, I caught the attitude, and that's why he punched me. So I went up to go into my sister's. I stood there for about two weeks, and then Jenna, um, you guys know her. <laughs> I've known her since eighth grade, actually. We were really good friends. Um, she saw my living situation with my sister. I was sleeping on the floor. I really, like, ate and stuff like that, and it was, like, so hard. So she talked to her mom and her dad, and they took me in, and, like, they actually showed me what a family is more than my parents have ever showed me besides my dad. So I agreed, and I'd help. Um, I'm helping out. Actually, I'm giving them rent and stuff like that to help them. Um, my mom has called me the devil's child. Um... She said a lot of hurtful things, but at the end of the day, I do forgive her for it. And like I said, I want to be baptized to be renewed in his spirit. Not because um, I know the world's going to be tough ahead and stuff like that, but I'll follow his word and do work because my life belongs to him. And I know the battles may get strong, but I will fight my temptation to fight them more than I'm supposed to. And then this is my favorite verse. I used to get, like, bad dreams and stuff like that. Like, I know it sounds, like, weird, but I would always have dreams. I'm getting eaten of zombies. So (laughs) this is my favorite. It's um, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He led me beside the still waters. He restored my soul and led me through the paths of righteousness for his... um, for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for though art and me and thy rod, they um, staff and they comfort me. The preparest of a table before the presence of my enemies, though my anointed's head with oil, my cup renewed over. Surely God in mercy shall follow me all through my days, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But now I do want to get baptized. It's because I do want to do things right. Um, Ever since I got into Jenna's house, I've become, like, not depressed. I've been, like, more happier than I'm supposed to be and stuff like that. And I haven't done anything bad after, like, my dad had passed away because I turned to God again. And that's my story. Elizabeth. Um, hi, everyone. Um, my name's Elizabeth. I go by Liz. Because if I hear Elizabeth, I think I'm in trouble for something. So, <laughs> okay. Um, about a year ago, um, I, I grew up with a family of addicts and a lot of verbal and emotional abuse. Growing up, um, I started uh, doing drugs and everything at a very early age. And I always had a connection to God, but I was always afraid to voice myself. I, just, I wasn't allowed to talk when I was growing up and stuff, so it was always hard for me. So I ended up in the drugs and alcohol and everything to... Um, find my way to escape of my reality and um, there was times where I went to church but it was hard at church because um, we didn't have uh, any Bible study for my age group there was only two of us in my age group and the rest were all real young kids and the pastor that we had was cool to talk to but he ended up leaving the congregation very uh, when I was only like maybe six months into the church and because he had to take over his past, his father's um, parish out in Pennsylvania. So I ended up pulled away, where I buried myself into just school. And then at 14, my mom threw me out of the house. Um, it was my mom and dad's sounding board for whatever they wanted. They had a bad time because they took it out on me. And I was a caretaker of my brother, my little brother, which is still I'm now. Um, I ended up out of school halfway through my sophomore year and ended up working full-time to support me and the older guy I was dating for six and a half years and went through a lot of physical and emotional abuse from leading on from that and got into the drugs and everything. About a year ago, 
I finally surrendered everything, which because I knew right from wrong, but I finally surrendered my heart and my soul to stop being an addict and stop doing the drugs and everything and giving myself back to God because I knew he was the only one that was going to help me who would be there to listen to me and stuff. And um, I pray a lot. I go to NA. I, I do commitments. I try to help everybody, you know, as much as I can to the best of my ability and everything. And, you know, in this past year, I finally have became whole inside. I wasn't no more an empty shell like I was for so many years, you know, and, um, you know, it's just God has given me so much more than I ever thought I'd be worthy enough because I was never told I was worthy of anything and, and everything. And it's just so wonderful to be able to feel his love inside me and to know there is him there to love me. And I have somebody to love me finally. And I just, I'm able to pass along my experiences to other people to help them get through what they're going through with their addictions and stuff like that. So it's just great that I have this. And, and I love coming here. Everybody's been so welcoming to me and and everything. But I really feel that now that I've been open enough to admit my mistakes and my wrongs in life and not doing what God wanted me to do, and, you know, and I've been repenting to people that are still here my mom and dad I repented to before they passed away for the harms that I have done to them and everything and forgiven them for the things they have done to me. It feels that it's time for me to definitely be baptized again to know that I have the ability now with his love inside me to to be right and, and to live by his way. You know, and, and it's just wonderful and I'm sorry that I don't have a favorite verse yet or anything from the Bible, but I've been reading it like crazy, and I actually, this is momentous for me right now because I brought my mother's Bible, and and I first opened it up this weekend because it's always had her personal information in it, and I was able to find some stuff out about my family that I never knew about because my mom never talked about everything and, and stuff, and at least I have her here now to be at my baptism again and with just being here with me and reading this Bible and everything and I'm so thankful for all of you guys for welcoming me, taking me in. So, uh, you know, you could see the original baptisms, you know, super public, you know, people just sharing stuff, what's going on. That's usually, that's why we do it, you know what I mean? It's just, whenever you're talking about baptism, when it's done the right way, like, you're just like pouring yourself out to the Lord and just saying, thank you, God. Confession just comes naturally, Um, you know, because it just, uh, authenticity, you know, it just desires purity. You know, it's just, it's just, it's not a show. Um, and so uh, that's why we do that, you know, because the pattern that was set, you know, we just follow with it. And, I mean, you hear all the hurt and all the pain, right? I mean, and we all got hurt and pain, you know, going on. And um, certainly, um, you know, God brings the healing there. You know, he brings his lordship. Everybody say lordship. lordship. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's important, you know, because he's not just, um, he's our lord and he's our savior. And he also brings healing, you know. And um, and a lot of times, you know, I talk with the different people and they say, oh, you know, just people that are just struggling in life, they just use God as their next crutch and it's just a good thing to be a crutch on and so that's what they do. And yeah, I don't know, you know, maybe sometimes. I said, but... uh you know, when his lordship is supreme and there's a relationship the way it's supposed to be, like he just brings healing 
and natural stuff. It's not a crutch, you know. It's just what they've been designed to be since the beginning. Um, so, John the Baptist's message was, hey, change. Change what you're doing. And just from those three women, you know, you hear, like, all the hurt and the pain. Right? And so a big change for them is going to be, hey, listen, like, to really release a lot of people. How many people know that that's like almost impossible apart, apart from the Spirit of God? When you just carry around that much hurt and that much pain and a lot of stuff, we don't know the details of the life story. I'm sure they brought some things into themselves that they shouldn't have done, but then other things were just done to them that just was not right. So a big change they have to welcome into their life is now not only forgiving people, but then God's going to take them to a new level where they start to speak and bring out value, destiny, and beauty into other people's lives. So something that was used to be lost, someone that used to be lost, something that used to be broken and good for nothing. How many people know that God takes that incredible mess and makes a phenomenal message out of it? It just desires the courageous heart to say, I, I, I just need to respond to who he is. I just, I need to. There's so many reasons maybe not to, but you just need to. And it's not just about the one moment of the baptism and saying it, right? It's like John the Baptist said, produce fruit. Like, stay on it, keep it 100, don't give on anything. And that's where the whole crutch idea just goes out the window. So we got a calling, each and every one of us, each and every one of us, to be in right relationship with God. Right? To acknowledge Him and say, Father, I was created to be with you. I was born into sin. I'm headed towards wrath. That's what it is. You sent Jesus to pay for my sin take my place, and I receive that. If you've never done that, and you want to do that here this morning, I, don't waste any time. All the questions and things that you have, they'll get answered in a better way than what you think, I promise. And you won't lose. You won't lose. So is there anybody here today, just raise your hand, if you've never, ever given your life to God, said it out loud, Lord God, you're the king of my life. Anybody here today that has never done that and you want to now? Okay. As a church, it's important you provide those opportunities. It's not to make you feel awkward. It's to provide opportunities. Because one of the last things that Jesus said when he left is, go baptize and make disciples. If us as a church, I say us, it's, it's not pastors don't make disciples evangelists, go make disciples. Worship leaders, go make disciples. Everybody say church. All of us, collectively. Our deal is, Jesus said, he commissioned us and he said, hey, go make disciples. Go do it. Teach them about what I did. Explain it to greater detail about why I did it. Prepare and equip them. And I'll take them where they need to go. So it's a good news. It's good news for us when we baptize people, when we have opportunities to disciple people, because that's what we're called to do. So we just got to keep doing it. We got to keep making disciples. And so that's why I leave that opportunity open. All right? We're not going to be able to fit in uh, communion right now, but we will next week. It's okay. We're not sinning. It's not bad. It's all right. No condemnation. It's okay. I will tell you this, next week, I know it says in your bulletin, or it used to say in your bulletin, like there's that part as far as what's coming up next week, what to read, it changed. We're not going to be doing 1 Samuel 17. We're going to spend one more week because there's something very significant that I want to make sure we talk about. Um, And the thing that we're going to talk about is John the Baptist, he said, I'm going to baptize you in water. And that's what we're doing next Sunday, water. Then he said, there's also going to be a baptism of fire in the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about that next week. Okay? So, yeah, or not next week. Week after. Week after. Okay, let's stand. We're going to close in prayer.
And so please make sure if you think about, so this week, try and be intentional about praying for Katie, for Alexis, uh, and for Elizabeth, okay? You can think of them, please pray for them, all right? And uh, God might call you to do it privately. He might call you to do it publicly, you know? and just want to send something their way to really bless them, whatever it is. But just be open to it because we are responsible for each other. Building each other up. That's what we're called to do. Building each other up. Carrying each other's burdens. Okay? <clears throat> so, Father, I thank you that we were able to sing this morning how good you are, Lord. Because it's true, Father. You're good, Lord, and you're, you're better than the situations and things that have happened to us in our lives, Lord. There are things that happen to us that are not fair. There are people that take advantage. There are people that are rude. There are people that are abusive, Lord. It's just not right in so many ways. But Father, you're so much better than we think, Lord. And there's so much restoration and redemption of life in you. And I pray, Father, that you would use us as a church family, to really just go out and share the good news of who you are, Lord. Help us to recognize the moments in our life. We just got to just proclaim who you are, Lord. And just encourage people, not be silent, but just encourage people to just change what they're doing. Help us to do it in love, Lord, not in a way that just is authoritative, God, and just ugly, Father, help us to do it with a passionate love, Father. To encourage others, Lord, that it's completely worthwhile to change our course of life, to change the way we used to think about things and start thinking about it and doing it the way that you said. We're called to carry this, Lord. And none of this ends when we get baptized. We live a lifestyle of repentance. We live a lifestyle of confession. There's a lifestyle of challenge. But now, when we're in relationship with you, you equip us for all of it. So I thank you for the good work you're doing, Lord, even if we can't see it. May you greatly encourage these women's hearts, Lord. And for anybody else, Father, that did not give their lives to you today, Lord, but you are out the door knocking, waiting for a response, I pray that they would respond. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.